I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. Kevin, did you know that Brooklyn and Sheets have over 30,000 five-star reviews? I, I did 25,000 of them myself. Well, it's no surprise considering that my Brooklyn and Sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever let you sleep on, Kevin. <laughs> now it's time for your upgrade. Just for our listeners, Brooklyn is offering $20 and free shipping when you use promo code CRIMEWRITERS at brooklinen.com. Brooklyn is so confident in their product that all their sheets comforters and towels come with a lifetime warranty just remember to use promo code crimewriters at brooklinen.com to get the twenty dollars off and free shipping that's b-r-o-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com promo code crimewriters brooklyn these really are the best sheets ever love is patient love is kind but sometimes love can be deadly it can many couples may look happy but we don't always know what happens behind closed doors. Every week, the Podcast Network's new podcast, Crimes of Passion, looks into what happens when true love meets true crime. Crimes of Passion analyzes the relationship dynamics and psychology that lead to betrayal, crimes, and even murder. New episodes of Crimes of Passion come out every Wednesday. You can listen to the first episode on Wilma Hoyt right now. Look for episodes on Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco, Lorena Bobbitt, and Jody Arias. Search for and subscribe to Crimes of Passion wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, search Crimes of Passion or visit parcast.com slash passion to listen now. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about true crime, pop culture. And this week, we'll look at TNT's true crime-inspired drama, I Am the Night. We'll also give our thoughts on a one-off episode of Reply All, looking at the biggest supervillain you've definitely never heard of, and more. Joining me to get that done is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist Kevin Flynn. Good evening, Kevin. Good evening, m'lady. Also with us is journalist. I'm bowing deeply. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I saw. Also with us is journalist, true crime. I mean, we're literally in a closet. Like I can see everything you're doing. It's not like we're like in two different cities. Like how they tape um, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. <laughs> one person in one studio. Terry sitting in the dark in her studio. It's not this. We're literally sitting in a closet. Okay, we get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, certified snowplow driver, and certified cat lady, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. Wait, did you say plow driver? Yeah. That's what it says in the script yeah. that you wrote. 
What? I drive that plow, Kevin. I drive the tractor, and uh-huh. I am very empowered. <laughs> it's wow. very satisfying mm. when I can plow and escape from my house if mm. I need to. All right. If there's some sort of crime that I need to like get <laughs> moving quickly to get to. And finally with us is our resident Doubting Thomas, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, and our very own Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. Hey, I'm a uh, snowblower guy. <laughs> uh, so are so is Kevin. I am not mm-hmm. because I don't know how to start the snowblower. Not because I'm like dumb and a woman. Just because Kevin really likes doing it. So I've never had the opportunity. Can I tell you guys ah. the scariest thing that's happened to me in the past couple of months? Okay. Yes. So and Toby, you'll be able to like relate to this. So I got the snowblower out like for the first time a couple of months ago. And I'm filling it with gas, and I spilled gas, like, all over the side of it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not the gas, You're it's the explode. fumes, right? And, you know, it's all it all, like, pours over to the side, like, where you, you know, the, the pull start is. And I'm thinking to myself, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to pull this thing, this lever, and the whole thing's going to blow up. <laughs> and I'm just going to burn out here. In the back. I don't and I'll, mean to laugh, but ah. So I have it out in the driveway, and I'm just like kind of walking around it. And like, <laughs> and like hoping it's going to kind of dry. And I'm like, you know what I can do is just, it has an electric start. Does yours have an electric start, Tobe? Yeah, if you plug it in, right, which yeah. I don't. So it's basically you plug in an extension cord. And if you can't, if it's cold and you can't like do the drawstring, like the electric start will... Do that you're looking you. at me like you're telling me how to do it when I get to do it, but I'm never going to do it, you're, so you're I don't the, need this information. Don't do it, Rebecca. People have a lot of heart attacks when they're snow blowing, and also yeah. lots of like fingers getting chopped off. Mm. Yes. I've covered many a story of people who yeah. try to fix it, and whoop, there goes your hand. Yeah. Oh, it happens all the time, Toby. It's horrible. Yeah, because the, the auger mechanism is it, it's, it, when it gets stuck, it's caught, there's still tension in it. So when you clear it, it, it ends up. Sp- it's not like it's a dead wheel on a like on a stalled out mm-hmm. car. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, people get really injured by that. But in order yeah. to do the electric start, you, you know, you put in a, like I had this long extension cord. So instead of doing that, you pull and pull the thing. There's just a little button you press. But I still in my head could see myself pressing this button and blowing, blowing up. up. Yeah, yeah. So I waited long enough, and I went, mm, and so it's, it's the first thing goes. Clunk, clunk, clunk like that. And I thought, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead. Oh, no. Jumped 20 feet I in the air. I forgot how loud it was. And, and then it started, and you know, I think the the snowblower was laughing at me like, you little jerk. New England problems, right? Yeah. Life I don't know. in I northern that... town. Hey, yeah. oh, mom, mom. Yeah. yeah. But, Toby, but Toby, you can relate, right? The danger of having Oh, to... yeah. I spilled, I spilled gas on everything, but I don't even think about it. I just started. <laughs> and that probably will be how I die. <laughs> Oh, I just figure, me. you know, it's just out there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I just got my snowblower this year. Really? I used to just shovel. Oh, yeah. oh my God, really? Like an animal. <laughs> wow. Thank yeah. you, Patriot Actor, listeners, man. for supporting Toby's snowblower. <laughs> but, uh, it, was a big, it was a big day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He's a big boy now. <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, the, the thing with snowblowers, though, is if it's too warm and the snow is, like, too watery, oh, yeah. it doesn't really work very it's well. Slushy. Yeah, you won't throw it. Which has been basically... What what we've had since I got it, except for once. Oh. So yeah. this is early season. Like it was nice and powdery. That's what always oh, happens. Yeah. So yep. like you get a thing to solve a huge problem in your life, and then the problem never happens again. Like we, yeah. you mean like our like generator. generator. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah like I got that too. Can our power please just go out once so we can see if this thing works? 
Have you even like <laughs> tested it to make sure it's still working? Well, he got it. <laughs> is, yours, is it hardwired into yeah. your house yes. or do you have to? No, okay. no. See, ours isn't. We have to like pull ours up on the side of well, the that's house what we have and to do. plug yeah. it yeah. in. So we yeah. have to do the same thing, but there is like a whole separate panel of things connected. We, yeah. had, we had like the right wiring done and stuff. Yeah. And it was very expensive. And I was like, this yes. is a necessity because we had one very bad situation and we're like this could never happen again yeah and it's never happened again no it's never gonna happen <laughs> that's, again. that's what happened yeah. to us it was the ice storm of 2008 remember that yeah, yeah. we had no power for over a week and i had my grandmother living with us and my son oh. was like not even two years old it was horrible i took my grandmother to the fire station so she could take a shower she was like mortified <laughs> did you use a shower or did they hose her off no they they have like their like quarters upstairs and this old guy was like it's okay grandma me. you can go in um and, and then we got the, the generator pole. yeah pretty much we and we never had we've never had power outage for more than like half a day uh, now wow <laughs> so, think of all of our listeners yeah. in the midwest who are like well we have tornado shelters yes or our because listeners, real shit could happen right our yeah. listeners who live like on um the shores of like the great lakes and they're like oh, like in buffalo i oh. have 27 feet of snow in yeah. my yard right now shut up <laughs> yeah. guys and you're four inches <laughs> yeah we've got no snow this year. Yeah, i grew up in syracuse and you're just That's getting like the snow blower now <laughs> wow, he's a little slow yeah, in the update. He's strong looking. Too. Yeah, he, strong yeah, looking. yeah. He doesn't care about his uh, beefy figure anymore. So he's just doing <laughs> snow boat now. So uh, speaking of beefy figures, Laura, I hear your whole family has <laughs> lost about thirty pounds this week. As you've had quite the vomitorium going on. How are you feeling this evening? How are you doing? So I have been on. I have had a plan, and I don't want to jinx it, but it's worked quite well. It is a combination of kombucha in the morning. Yeah. Wine in the evening, yeah, and Lysol pretty much all the time. Yeah, you're eating the Lysol. No, I'm just spraying it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't gotten sick. Oh, okay, so kombucha, wine, and Lysol—that's that's the bomb to it avoid the vomitorium. Yeah, that's not what I mean, vom- yeah. a vomitorium is. Oh, okay. You're using that word wrong. <laughs> I don't care. It feels like a vomitorium because I keep having to like, like it's just like oh, and I'm such I'm like oh, this is a new stage of parenting where you like your child is old enough to be like I'm sick. I'm like go get a bucket. I'm sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> I don't love you as much as I used to. Take care of it. And so ends another on point episode of Crime Writers. Yes, yeah, so much good crime content. <laughs> For our listeners this evening. Well, speaking of which, let's do at least a little bit of that, shall we? Kevin, can you please read this for me? True True Crime Crime Podcast Update. So a couple big announcements to make about arguably the greatest true crime podcast of all time. In the Dark Season 2, first of all, won a George Polk Journalism Award this week, which is a very big deal. Is that it? It's the first uh, podcast to be ever ever be given a oh, George Polk Award, and I Deserving. I can't imagine who else they would have yep. given it to. So congratulations to our friends at In the Dark. Don't tell Madeline; she's going to go right to her head. <laughs> yes, oh. she's such a narcissistic piece of crap I know, that Madeline like, Barry never be able to. Listen. Oh, she's like no. she's like the Mike Bodet of public radio. <laughs> oh no. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, Does no. she have dirty revenge porn w- websites, too? <laughs> no, Madeline uh. Barron is hands down the opposite of the yeah. Mike Bodette of public radio. She's the nicest, most kind, most charitable, most sharing and smart person we know. Next pretty to much. Bill Rankin. 
Uh, pretty much. I yeah. love Bill Rankin. Yeah. yeah, he's the best. We know some nice people. We do. Bill Rankin. What did he like this week? Something that I was a fan of. Also, pickle juice. Yes. 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 <laughs> and um, that's the most pickle Bill Rankin juice thing ever. On grilled cheese is like a really good thing, and Bill what? Rankin agreed with me on that. That's yeah. right. He likes mm-hmm. it too. All right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, some other uh, big actual news about In the Dark is that they released a trailer this week, as we covered on the podcast. In the Dark's subject, Curtis Flowers. His case is going to be heard before the Supreme Court of the United States of America, largely uh, because of the work done on the In the Dark podcast. The Supreme Court is going to be taking up the issue of whether or not Curtis Flowers was convicted unfairly because evil villain Doug Evans... The Mike Bodet of prosecutors <laughs> uh, had a, uh, what the podcast revealed to be a rampant pattern of discrimination in jury selection by excluding black people from juries. So In the Dark is going to be releasing four episodes beginning in March. And yes, we will be talking about those episodes and they will be covering the Supreme Court proceedings. Last fall, something extraordinary happened. Something that almost never happens in any criminal case. The United States Supreme Court has granted Curtis Flowers' petition for review. The odds are, you know, it's not one in a million, but it's basically like winning the lottery. The court will determine whether there was racial bias on behalf of... Next month, on March 20th, the United States Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in the case of Curtis Flowers. It is unconstitutional to strike a prospective juror on account of race. We'll go back How excited are we, panel, to hear update episodes produced at Brown the Supreme Court case by this In the Dark team? Kevin, are you excited? So excited. I would like to hear sort of their approach to it later. I mean, I'm thinking about like after serial season one when Sarah Koenig tried to cover the closet episodes, the closet episodes oh, of the Anand Syed hearing. Now they could do sort of a, something that's like so far off of style and brand to just sort of like we're giving you this update because it's timely and it's more newsy yeah the news has caught up with the podcast yeah the news has caught up with the narrative of of their their story but there is nothing that i've ever heard for them to make me feel like it's going to disappoint yeah what do you think toby excited to hear madeline and team report from the highest court in the land yeah like a you know i trust her to Make it interesting. Um, and then the other thing is, I, I may be wrong, I, but I was skimming something, and I think they said that there's there's precedent where racial discrimination in jury selection has been upheld as being okay. What? In some jurisdictions. I, I could be totally wrong, but I thought I'd read that, and I was like, what the hell? But, I mean, there must be something about it if it's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. That's right. There's an issue that has standing that needs to be addressed. What was the U.S. Supreme Court case they were always talking about? It's not Strickland. What is the... Are you talking about the Batson case? The Batson case. That's oh, okay, it. That's yeah. the Batson... Yeah. Well, I just seemed smart just then, didn't I? You I just did. pulled that out of my butt. Well, yeah. It would be horrible if it goes the other way and they overturn this precedent. Oh, let's not talk about that. Oh, anyhow. Uh, Laura, what do you think? Are you excited to hear what In the Dark produces for us from the highest court in the land? I am so ready. I am, I'm in a bit of a winter slump with my um, diet, walking, and all that stuff, and this is just what I need to jumpstart myself for swimsuit season. Yeah, I'm super excited, too, because... I'm going to rage hell? myself Wait right into a 36, 24, 36. <laughs> my swim dress is ready, by the way. Yes. I, I am a fan of my swim dress, and I'm ready. Oh, I'm yeah. all about like the 
total full on Land's End skirt oh, situation. Yeah. That's it's what I have. I I have the dress. Yeah, it's multifunctional. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm really excited to you know one of the things that's come up in my newsroom this week is with the Bear Brook podcast, how we're going to cover developments in the cases they come up. And there does come a point where the news catches up with the narrative. And there have been shows that have done this very successfully. There was a show uh, called 16 Shots that covered a shooting, a police shooting. In Chicago. Yes. Right? And then they then they, they did some live trial updates, but that was the editorial decision that they were going to keep up with the news. Right. So they, they broke format and you know they had one format and then another. But In the Dark has put out a couple of updates that have been as good as their podcast. They, they, mm-hmm. they are not longer than they need to be doesn't feel like they're milking the story just to sell ads. They're like mm-hmm. telling us stuff that if you're interested in the story that you want and need to know, and maybe it's produced a little bit differently, but they've been wonderful to listen to. And I'm just super excited about this. Yeah. So excited. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear uh, Madeline's take on the judges on the court. Maybe she'll just say their names over and over again. <laughs> like she did with Doug Evans. <laughs> It'll be like, and then Clarence Thomas said... Associate Although Justice. It wouldn't be Clarence Thomas. Thomas. He doesn't talk a whole. He doesn't talk a whole lot. No. I think you can get audio. What next day from the know. Supreme Court? I don't know. There's but... no live broadcast, but they do make the recordings available. Yes. You know, very soon. Justice afterwards. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I could just imagine, like we like, it's a real, it's going to be a real primer, and like all these justices' names are going to be yeah. hearing them. Yeah, I can't wait oye, to hear questions. Oye. Oh yeah, you're an Oye. You love saying oye, that. Oye. Oye. <laughs> All right, well, we will definitely be covering that on our program, and it should be good timing because those will be coming out near the end of the four-part Adnan Syed documentary that we're going to be talking about. So much quality true crime. So much quality true crime. And by the way, as a note, next week, as part of our show, I'm not, not sure what the whole show will be, but as part of it, by the way, Laura and Toby and Kevin, this is news to you, but we will be talking about the most popular podcast in America right now, a little true crime thing called... Over My Dead Body, which oh. has maybe the worst name or best name, depending on how you look at it oh. for a podcast ever. It's a number one podcast, though, so I think we should- That's not a Lifetime movie? Give it a listen and uh, and, and talk about it a little bit, all okay? Right. All right. Toby's thrilled. <laughs> I just wrote it down. I'm all over it. Hey, you never know, Toby. Right Toby could end up saying, Over My Dead Body is the highest quality thing we've talked about on this show since we've been making it. That's why people have us throw ourselves on the grenade. We'll listen to it so you don't yeah. have to. It could happen. Hmm. I haven't heard. I haven't okay. even heard a minute of it. It could be awesome. I literally don't know. It's from Wondery. I, I do want to say, uh, I know that we thanked Maggie Freeling last week on the show for appearing on our show and filling us into the Maury Murray case. But props to Maggie Freeling, too. We got a little tiny taste of what she has to deal with all the time talking about the Maury Murray case. The Maury Murray case is a lot like the Amanda Knox case and that people have very angry opinions about it and about people who dare discuss it. Um, (laughs) So I just want to say I have, uh, yes, muted maybe 50 people from our our Twitter feed this week, (laughs) but also a second just special props to Maggie Freeling because I I got a little taste of what she, the kind of abuse she has to deal with all the time. And, you know, she's just telling us what's happening. And um, thank you again for coming on our show. And I hope you come back, even though it released a firestorm of, Angry tweets at all of us. <laughs> Toby, you recovering from all the angry tweets that you received this week? I didn't receive any angry tweets, but I did because I saw your thing. I did go and check out, and it's pretty crazy. Bananas. Yeah, it's kind of like where do you, you know, where do you come off taking it that personally and being that critical of somebody who's 
like a lot more in the know than you are about this stuff. Well, Toby, if you would go over to my blog and look at my latest entry, <laughs> you could yes. see that the people from the convenience store. <laughs> Toby, I don't think you understand. I don't think her family would have liked you to do that. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you understand how the people in this tiny white mountains town value their privacy. And would hate it that you talked about a thing that was also written up in the Boston Globe and was on Entertainment Tonight. Oh. Well, thanks, Minnesota. <laughs> I think you betrayed all the people you've ever spoken to. That's right. That's right. Anyway. You said this one thing. Special thanks to Maggie Freeling, because I see you put up with a lot of shit, and I had to deal with it for one day, and it was not fun. And I appreciate you coming on our show, and I hope you come back. All right, moving on. Right now, we're going to talk really quickly, uh, do a little mini review of a standalone episode of a podcast that came out this week. The popular podcast Reply All wowed true crime fans in 2017 with a series from reporter Shruti Pinamanini about convicted killer Paul Madrowski. And the show does occasionally cover true crime and crime adjacent stories. And in a new episode that came out last week, host PJ Vogt talked to author and journalist Evan Ratliff about a guy who went from failed computer programmer to an international drug kingpin with his own hit squad. That episode was called The Founder. He was born in Zimbabwe, which at the time when he was born in 1972, Christmas Eve 1972, was Rhodesia. He's white, so he was part of the minority that was at the time controlling the country. Evan says there was nothing about Paul's early life that gave any indication about what this guy was going to become. He was not a bad kid. I mean, everyone says he was a good kid and he was a sweet kid. And there were even, you know, bad kids in the neighborhood, one of whom I talked to, who said, no, no, Paul was never like that. He you was talked just, to a neighborhood bad kid? I did. I talked to like a neighborhood <laughs> gang kid who said, uh, yeah, we all did that stuff. And and he was he was just like a... A kind of pudgy kid who uh, was quiet and friendly and his relatives loved him and he was very smart. Now, this episode of Reply All explains Paul LaRue's rise and fall as pharmaceutical magnate, drug runner, money launderer, privateer commander and government witness. While almost everything we hear is Evan's retelling of the story, he does spin a good tale about the supervillain that you've probably never heard of. Now, I do want to talk about the format of this episode of Reply All. It was recommended listening to us by a lot of our fans, which is why we decided to give it a listen. Mm -hmm. If you've ever listened to Reply All, I'm a longtime and early adopter of the show, and I kind of dip in and out of it because it's one of those podcasts that you can do that with. It's, you know, standalone episodes typically. The show does operate in many formats. They do a lot of narrative journalism reporting. They do in-studio conversations about things. They do sort of do that mix. They do that four-part series we heard that Shruti did. They've done many four-part series or several-part series like that. But this episode was basically a reporter two-way, which, full disclosure, is my least favorite format for storytelling. Kevin, do you think the, epi this, the format of this episode of Reply All worked and did this story justice? I'm not going to knock single episodes of a larger podcast because they do things a little outside the norm. I, I'm going to say, okay, so they didn't throw in a lot of music and a lot of archival tape or interviews with other people other than this uh, this tech author who knew the story of this uh, kingpin. But I think I, th I think the important thing is, does the story that they're telling work in the format that you give it? It does. Yeah, it was a little dry in some spots mm. for me, but overall it worked. Toby, what do you think? I mean, you pointed out that basically like there's a lot of material here, but we didn't get a lot of material in this podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I sort of agree tangentially to, with Kevin is that wishing that it had been longer and more fleshed out 
that's not really a very valid criticism of what they put out actually, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I, I enjoyed listening to it, but I kind of felt like it was such a crazy story that you could easily have done, you know, a four or five part series and had it be really compelling because, you know, he, he clearly just touched on some things that must have had sort of amazing stories behind them. Yeah. That being said, I really enjoyed listening to it. Like I, I would recommend people to listen to it. I thought it was super interesting and I agree with Kevin. It got a little dry at times, but there wasn't a whole lot of wasted time. I mean, there's such a story that it was just like thing after thing. You're like, Oh my God. And Toby, for me, where I said, and I don't know if it means the same for you, but like when I said it seemed dry, that it wasn't that it was the story petered out. It just felt like it's these two guys back and forth for quite a long time now. And oh, yeah. that's the only thing that was, because I think the story that they did and the way they put it together was was fine. Is I mean, when you said dry, did you say it sort of the same way I'm thinking it? or It just kind of felt like, you know, a really good edition of like Fresh Air or something. Yeah. It was a good interviewer and a guy with a great story, but that that's what it was. Well, I think the show does have a sensibility. I mean, Reply All, when they bring in someone to tell them something, there's very much a sense of like PJ and Alex, who uh, are the main hosts of the show, have been... Work, they worked at WNYC before. They worked on On the Media. They did, they did a spinoff podcast initially. Where the earlier iteration of Reply All was called TLDR. And then when <laughs> Gimlet Media started up, they hired over, if you ever listen to season one of Startup, there's a whole storyline about them hiring over PJ and Alex. And Reply All was the first like flagship show that Gimlet put out. And it's a show about the internet, and obviously that can mean lots of different things. And sometimes it really just is like, hey, you come in here and tell me this cool thing. And if you think back to the four-part series with Truthy Penimanini, a lot of it was that. There was also tape. Yeah. But a lot of it was her just saying, here's what I learned. The difference is she reported that for that episode of Reply All. Mm -hmm. This was a guy who reported it for a book and is basically just telling PJ the plot of his book. Yeah, yeah. Which is different. I mean, it's very different. Now, Laura, um, what did you think of the story? What did you think of this character, uh, Paul LaRue? By all accounts, nice kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with a big idea, who turns into a maniacal drug kingpin who kills people. What do you think about that? It was so fascinating. Um, you know, so like I, I totally actually didn't even mind that it was just these two guys talking because I was like walking along and I'm just so mesmerized by what wait what's happening oh my god something else happening I mean it was just so unbelievable the way it kept escalating but to listen to how he started when you know people that knew him when he was growing up I mean he wasn't anything you know extraordinary and then he hot wires his little computer and the next thing you know he's like hey you want to buy some diamonds in the Congo hey you want some <laughs> meth from Korea hey you want and I'm like what is going on here so I appreciated that this was all one episode because I think I might have like seized up waiting to hear the conclusion of what he had done and if he was ever caught and how he was caught but the character itself was it really got me thinking you know like uh, you know out of my little bubble of my little New England village of people operating like this under the radar and the people that were working for him and they're like 
they they knew everybody else that worked in this black market industry almost like I think they compared it to at one point like their own little version of LinkedIn. Right. It was it was crazy. Oh no, there um, were guys on LinkedIn who had LinkedIn. their job experience yeah. being a mercenary for this dude on their yeah. resume. <laughs> Which was so close quarters crazy. security. Which is amazing. So crazy. Well, um, I have I have a follow-up yeah. question for you, Laura, because you and I both have kids. I have one oh, and yeah. you have one. Yes. Who I think could 100% turn into this dude because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a little. We as, were actually talking about this. Yes. As PJ points out over and over again, he's treating the world like it's a first person shooter video game. He's like, I want diamonds in Africa. I'm just going to go there and get some diamonds. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to get a bunch of pharmacies <laughs> to sign up with my FedEx account and ship illegal drugs all over the world. I'm just going to send some guy there and do that and set it up. I'll just make he had sort of had this idea that he could just shape the world like Minecraft, as they yeah. said in the podcast, mm-hmm. into what he wanted to be. Are yeah. you worried like I am that your son is going to become a mercenary <laughs> killer drug kingpin someday? <laughs> he, he might already be. Um, and I just don't know it yet because he's already trying to set up like private VPNs on his computer. And I'm like, <laughs> like he lost his computer at school recently. And I emailed his tech teacher and I'm like, hey, do you know where his Chromebook is? And she's like, well, it hasn't logged in for 28 days. And I'm like, that's bullshit because he logs it every day. And then I found out he had set up this like private VPN of course to he did. circumvent. <gasps> And, and I'm like, to circumvent the school's computer system, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in big trouble. Yes. By the way, private VPN is how our listeners in like Australia and stuff watch stuff on HBO in the United States uh, when they can't get it yet. Isn't that what the P and <laughs> VPN stands for? Virtual, Virtual private, private network. network. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I share your fear, Rebecca. Um, and that could be a whole nother podcast someday when we are the mothers who are now coping with that. <laughs> oh, instead of like the happy face kid <laughs> podcast, it's going to be like the mother of the kingpin podcast. Yeah, it's going to be us. We're going to be there. We we can call it Level Up My Life. Achievement Unlocked. Achievement Unlocked. Underachievement Unlocked. (laughs) (laughs) Toby, one of the things that I think was a really interesting turn in the story um, was we kind of hear near the end of the podcast that, you know, this guy finally gets caught, but instead of using his underlings to catch the big fish, they do the opposite and they use him to turn on a bunch of underlings and it sounds like this guy is kind of just still out there like potentially maybe going to be able to commit crime some more i don't know what did you think about the conclusion of this story toby did did that add up to you yeah it was kind of weird the only logic i could make out of it was that he had his hand in so much different stuff that they probably thought that they could roll up a lot of different things by getting him to spill the beans or whatever I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's kind of seems like really what you need to do is to keep him off a computer. Yeah. You know, or a phone. It doesn't seem like he's going to go on a wild rampage by himself. You know, he basically had this little private army. Right. He's going to overthrow the Seychelles, wasn't he? Or, or some little country like that. When I was listening to it, like the whole thing about getting meth out of North Korea, which is like the purest meth there is. Yeah. And one of the things he thought about was like getting a submarine. From the North Koreans to sneak the... I was like, that easily is a podcast episode. That would be 
really interesting to Yo, listen Mr. to. White. But anyway. It's also something 100% Laura's kid is going to do someday. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> you might have one over there too, Rebecca. Uh, 100% they I do. They're going to partner We up. totally shouldn't let them meet is I think it's what gonna the moral be a whole different conversation kind of is. Partners in crime <laughs> enterprise. Now, Kevin, a uh, question for you. One of the big philosophical questions that gets asked at the end of the podcast is this guy... Paul LaRue, by all accounts, upstanding, nice young man at the end of his criminal career as as it stands, it wasn't just that he was ordering people to be killed. Like he was personally getting involved with the with the you know, their their deaths and there was sort of this like innate sort of like hunger to be like, you know, in there, like like a real mob boss. And I'm wondering, you know, that they would have asked this question like was he born this way and fooled everybody? Or did his life of crime make him this way? I think his life of crime made him that way. Yeah. It just it just seemed like, you know, he was this failed computer guy and just saw like uh, that screwed. Yeah, and like I he's like I he knew enough to be dangerous, right? And so that was the thing that like uh, like switched him on and right where he could have fallen in line with a non-profit organization. <laughs> yeah. He just very e- as easily said, "Well, I'm just going to set up this pharmacy scam thing and so he could have like gone into public radio and instead he's like doing this exactly yeah i mean it's it's the story itself is like very interesting maybe this american life could have done the similar thing just a little better it is a a fun story to listen to it's not terribly meaty not like the meats that you get from butcher box oh yeah those are meaty butcher box delivers healthy 100 percent grass-fed and grass-finished beef free-range organic chicken and heritage breed pork. So you can choose from curated boxes that include a mix of high-quality beef, chicken, and pork. We got company coming this week. We do. And what did we do? We are taking out everything that was in the butcher box. And we're going to grill it all. And guess who the company is? Maybe, Our friend oh. Patrick Hines and his husband Steve. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. We'll, we'll have to give reports later on how the party was, but we all know that the meat's going to be fantastic. Each butcher box comes with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat. Which so is, much meat. Which is enough for 29 individual size meals. And all the meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual biodegradable packaging. And then it's delivered uh, right to our doorstep. I definitely like, you know, you can see you know the color and the quality of the meat and like you know when you say butcher box you know when you go to the grocery store and you pick something out of that stupid case versus something you go when you go to a butcher yeah you definitely can tell the difference and when you see the stuff from butcher box you know which one it is that's it's right just like it came from the butcher so we got a special deal all right what uh, is it all right start stretching your stomach you ready for this Laura, get your pen i'm ready i'm ready all right everybody unloosen your belt one notch ready it's you're going to get two free filet mignons, mm-hmm. free bacon, okay, and $20 off your order when you go to butcherbox.com slash CWO, C-W-O. and enter the promo code CWO, C-W-O at checkout. So go now. This is over a $50 value and available for just a limited time. That's butcherbox.com slash CWO and enter promo code CWO at checkout. What else you got, Kevin? Well, when it comes to choosing a product that's better than the rest, there's really only one label that matters. 
and it's brandless. Ooh, I loved brandless. It was so fun. Brandless offers better options for the things that you care about, like organic, fair trade, non-GMO, gluten-free, and vegan food items, premium diapers, cruelty-free beauty, and personal care products. Kitchen utensils. Ba- right. Professional-grade bakeware, aluminized steel, all by family-owned companies in the U.S., and they've cut out the unnecessary middlemen cost of traditional retail so you can get higher quality products at a more affordable price, all without having to leave home. So if you go to brandless.com, you go there and they have their store there. And, okay, what's the hook? Everything's $3. Everything is $3. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Do you remember you told me I could spend $39 in Brandless? Yeah. I got 13 things. I don't know why I said just $39. 13 super and nice had, things. I got like kitchen utensils. I got like some snacks. The beef jerky was great. Beef yeah. jerky was amazing. Right. And uh, by the way, and there's no spatulas? brand on it. That's sort of, they cut out it's the middleman for the labeling stuff and stuff. super high quality. It's quality stuff. And it's you can't beat the price. But right now, our listeners can receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more at Brandless. You just go to brandless.com forward slash crime. You go there. You'll see our personal favorites that yeah. we've picked out, and you'll receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more. That's Don't, 16 things you can buy. 16 things. I'm not good at math. so <laughs> It's a lot of things. But everything's 3 bucks, <laughs> And you get good 16 That's things. That's good $3 stuff. And honest to God, it really it is. It really is amazing. Go to brandless.com forward slash crime to see our favorites and receive free shipping on orders of $48 or more. Start enjoying high quality products that you deserve today. All right. Now, before we took the uh, very graceful ad transition there, we heard Toby say he'd recommend people listen to this episode of Reply All the Founder. We heard Kevin say uh, it was good. Maybe this American Life could have done better, but like worth listening to the story. Laura, would you recommend to our listeners, you don't have to give it a formal thumbs up or thumbs down, should they check out this episode, The Founder by Reply All? What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's not like the same type of like long format, investigative interview type story that we usually listen to. But honestly, this story is so, I uh, use Rebecca's terminology, bonkers bananas. It doesn't need to be because you just sit there. Like I was walking along and I'm not even rage walking. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening next? Like, is this real? I'm like in um, Westworld. Is this real? Am I here now? Is this really happening? Because it's just so crazy. All the stuff this guy got away with. Um, So I would say listen to it. It's fascinating. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. If you're looking for that immersive, deep storytelling experience, that's not what this is. What this is is a great grocery store podcast listen. That's where I listened to it as I was doing our supermarket shopping. I listened to this hour-long episode and I really enjoyed it. The story was... Really good. So check it out. Reply all. The founder. So moving on. In a six-episode run, the network TNT is offering I Am the Night, a limited series based on the life story of Fauna Hodel. Set in 1960s Los Angeles, Fauna may hold the secret to her rich, creepy grandfather's connection to the famous Black Dahlia murder. And freelance journalist Chris Pine is right there to seek personal and professional redemption by solving the case. Yeah, you the one who wrote that article for the Los Angeles Examiner? I got some more information about that trial you might be interested in. So you got a case. It's 10, 15 years old. And this girl knows all about it. Listen there, I just want to talk to you for a second. I found her. And that's not all. You remember that murder case? 
there's new information. From Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins, I Am the Night also stars India Isley and Connie Nielsen. The show sways between noir and a sort of surrealism, looking to tell Fauna's unbelievable life story in a somewhat unbelievable way. We are going to be discussing plot points from I Am the Night, so if you want to stay spoiler-free, you can just check out the time code in our show notes to hear our spoiler-free thumbs-up or thumbs-down review. Now, before we start our review of the show, I do think that I Am the Night relies on a certain familiarity with the Black Dahlia case that I'm not sure if everyone here on this panel had when they started watching it. Toby, are you familiar at all with this case, the Black Dahlia, the famous murder case from Los Angeles? Uh, Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I I don't know all the details. I haven't read like a full book on it or anything, but I know I know the basics. Let's talk about then sort of what the show is bringing us, because Fauna Hodel, you know, we talked in the intro about this being a very surreal, dreamy story, and that's what Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. It's really atmospheric. Mm -hmm. The scenes sort of melt. It's a surreal, there's no other word for it, show, but this is very much based on a real person's real life story. And at the end of each episode, they show photographs showing the connections to real life people. Kevin, were you surprised when we started watching this how closely connected it is to this very true series of events? Well, look, I mean, a lot of the things that we watch that are based on you know real stories have those elements. I just thought it was I don't know if anyone has done this because it's so simple yet it was really powerful that at the end that they show you know a photo of Big Mama or show a photo of a fauna, and it it really makes it feel more grounded in reality. Then if you hadn't seen that, for whatever reason it is, right. I mean, they showed like one of the buildings, it made me as a viewer want to go along maybe longer than I should have with some of the odd characters. Like if, if it were pure fiction, like I just would not get the grandfather and George the grandmother. George Hodel. I would not get the doctor. Who was a real person. Right. But then like when you see a photo, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see him as being this really and weird, And if you read about feet. him, yeah. like the details in the show, the sex parties, the orgies, the, the debauchery, weird, the, the, in that beautiful, huge, weird, but weird Frank Lloyd Wright house, that all happened. Like that's, those are the real details about George Hodel. Yeah. The, the secret abortions, like that's all Yeah. Real. But the crazy part, like with, uh, with Connie Nielsen's character, I forget the grandmother's name, but- where Fauna like knocks on the door and she like sticks her head out, just holding this like bamboo cigarette holder and like between her fingers, it's not even lit, right? With the cigarette, just looking around, like oh my Sunset see Boulevard. Me. Yeah, I'm just like for fucking real. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm sorry to bother you, but you know, Doctor George Hodel he invited me to Los Angeles to come visit, and I can't seem to reach him. So maybe you could. You listen to me now. Your grandfather is a very, very dangerous man. Stay away. Stay away from him. For fucking real? (laughs) Kevin, there was a lot of scenes like that in the show for me. Yeah. Well, Laura, I do want to talk to you about one of your pet peeves in the show. Because I share it, but for a different reason. Okay. So, full disclosure, Chris Pine stars in this show. I love Chris Pine. I can't help it. I know he's like a divisive actor that not everybody loves. But the Star Trek reboot franchise, especially the first movie, Mm -hmm. I think it's a masterpiece. And I love him 
But what about the movie where you get to see his peen? That's a different, whole different <gasps> thing. The Chris Pine peen. <laughs> it's a whole different oh, thing. It's a meme that you guys wow. online. Anyway, okay. but hashtag so Chris Pine peen. When we first started watching ah. this show, because it was so weird, and because I knew parts mm-hmm. of it were true, I got into this internet rabbit hole about the show. Yeah. The only fully fictionalized character on this show, main character, is the Chris Pine character, Jay Singletary. He was made up in whole oh. cloth. By the writers of this show because they couldn't figure out a way to tell the true story of this unbelievable real person's life on a hotel and all the weird shit that happened to her when she left her mother in Nevada and came to Los Angeles and found out that she's not black, that her grandfather was maybe a murderer, that all this shit happened. The only way they could think of to tell her story was to make up a fake man character and basically have him played exactly like the way James Kirk is played by Chris Pine. Yep, problem hotshot. Okay. No, no problem. No, because if you're feeling if you're feeling froggy, we can do this dance. You just make a jump. Okay. Pick a lily pad. You want a lifesaver, kiddo? No, thank you. Want me to drop you off at school? It's okay. That's my issue with that. I know you yeah. have other issues with the character. What are they, Laura Bricker? You know, I just felt like it was just so cliche in terms of the dialogue and the character. It was like, I didn't know this part that you just said. Like, it, it kind of makes sense. They scripted a stereotypical journalist character from that period. Like, he's getting in fights. He's got disguises. He's drunk. He gets beat up. He uses really cheesy expressions. After All of he gets the story beat up, meetings like, are in a bar. <laughs> you should you should see the other guy or you should see the other girl. See the and, other girl in the ha- fight. I love that line actually. You know, her. it's just like it's just so fucking cheesy and I'm like <laughs> it just doesn't even ring like remotely true. So that was my problem. I mean, you know, when he like hides in the morgue and like he he like, "Oh, wait, I have my doctor's coat in my trunk just for these special occasions. Let me put it on so I can go into the morgue." I'm like, "Oh yeah." totally true uh yeah that's believable um oh wait let me just climb in this morgue drawer oh wait but i have a cigarette or whatever he had so he doesn't have to smell dead bodies i'm like really are you serious so that was my issue i mean there was i i did like all the really quirky stuff but the part with him i just was like oh man like it was so fake to me that i had a hard time getting past that it feels like he's a made-up fake character yes, dropped it into does. an interpretation yes. of that's what it, it i mean honestly it smacks of that it is what it is initially i thought it was chris pine's performance because really he does not have a ton of notes i mean <laughs> he was in wonder woman and he basically played captain kirk in wonder woman i mean he basically that's his note and he's oh. perfect as captain kirk but now because i love him for that that's all i can see in every performance he gives just is, see him as the coast guardman yeah. The finest star. Yeah, he had his he had his New York accent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he like uh, ask to be beamed up to the ship after getting <laughs> hit by a wave? <laughs> he looks good wet. No, he does look very good. He looks very good in any situation. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Toby, moving on from the Chris Pine issues, even though I do secretly still love Chris Pine. Um, Let's talk about Fauna Hodel, because she's a real person and a super interesting character. And one of the most interesting parts of her character is that we see she grew up believing she was the mixed race child of a woman in Nevada. And then she finds out that she was adopted uh, and she still believes she's mixed race. And then we find out that after all, she's actually white and she's sort of stuck in this in-between world 
of having a black family and an entire black community. And that is her identity. But that is not who she is. What did you think of this part of the story, Toby? Yeah, I mean, A, it's kind of crazy that it's true. It's an interesting comment about sort of race, you know, that she she essentially is treated according to societies at that time, sort of attitudes towards race by whatever race she kind of identifies as. Mm-hmm. Can I sit here? Wherever you like. Well, I'm new here. I'm oh, God, Mary Lou, don't sit here. That's a Negro table. Come and sit with us. Well, I've never seen one with that kind of eyes before. So I thought that was... That was really interesting. I mean, there's, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not as bothered by the Chris Pine stuff as much as you guys are, because I think that was sort of an, an intentional strategy to try and make this sort of noiry, which I'm sure is not actually a word. But I think what they wanted to do is put like sort of a stock character like that to kind of bring that mood. And I think the thing with Fauna is that in addition to this stuff that's, I, I guess, somewhat biographical and this sort of what what world does she belong in, not just racially, but that she's got this very rich family, and but she lives with this fairly poor adoptive mother, and she's sort of negotiating between those two. And then she's also got this kind of Nancy Drew aspect to her where she's like, you know, creeping around houses and, you know, hears thinks she hears her name and goes exploring and all this kind of, you know, daring do, I guess. So, and again, I think that's, you know, if she really did that stuff... I guess, fair play. But, you know, along with, you know, some of the the Chris Pine stuff, that is another thing that just seems like it's sort of a a trope, right? That for this kind of of movie. And I think that's what, that's why it kind of works Mm -hmm. is because it, it sort of fits in with the world that they've kind of created that this 15 year old girl would go snooping around. I agree with you, Toby. I think that the Chris Pine character is necessary because Fauna only know so much about what's going on around her and without another character that has a a different point of view and different you know perspective you can't tell the story in the the manner that and you knew do. about the black dahlia for instance right yeah. right because if she doesn't know who she is and she doesn't know anything about the places that she's going i mean think about right now to the episodes where we are what does fauna actually know right. we know more because we have a character who's a device to help us with with that you know is he kind of a stock character i guess you know uh he's cute though right He's cute. I like him. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that the editor isn't made up because I, he's like a total trope too. But I think that they play it yeah, so he's well. He's probably made that up. I kinda yeah. like, Even I, the drunk mom is a total cliche. Drinking no, her vodka? Yeah. No so offense, I, but yeah, from a wine wait, bottle. Wait, it was no to, that's totally a wine was bottle. Was that no offense to me because I drink vodka that way? <laughs> no, I just I mean it was just like I was like seriously like she's like and like the for you know drink and I'm like really Laura, this is like the Laura, yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. heard her. <laughs> Right. Saying, uh, okay. I'm taking you to Capitol yeah. that very stage. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I hadn't really thought of until now is that a choice they could have made would have been to find a way to make the Chris Pine character a woman. Oh, imagine that. A woman? But would anybody watch it if there was a woman in it? Totally? I mean, it would be totally unrealistic, would the woman of course. Have seven North Korean soldiers with her entrenching tool? <laughs> but, Stabbed the but guy it is, it and dragged is. him out in the thicket? I mean, all this stuff is basically about, you know, this horrible murder of this woman and this abortion stuff. And, 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 you know, there's and then there's that weird scene at the like happening or wherever it is where they're like cutting off 
her grandmother's clothes. So, you know, it's a lot, there's a lot of stuff about like women's bodies and the idea that Chris Pine, like, like having a man be like the other protagonist, you know, it seems like there might've been a more interesting take there, but. Can I just ask the question, what the fuck is it with Hollywood's obsession with these weird black tie orgies? But that that's actually, that look, that's true. That has a real detail. I just, I just can't. That's so weird. I know, but that's actually The orgy real in detail. my mind that I want to go to does not include a bunch of rich guys <laughs> in tuxedos and women wearing masks, you know, walking around you know, with champagne and shit like that, that is not getting it on, people. You made, you made like, a very good point I about, feel like, like didn't that you? guy's probably the, you know, the the inspiration for Eyes Wide Shut and everything all these stupid Hollywood people the think bacchanalia. about. Yeah, they're like, oh, this is the way it's going to be. We're going to do it like the Romans, and guys will stand around and, like, not, like, do anything, just look lascivious. Now, tell me, like, you were watching this. You were yeah. talking about, like, the logistical problems with having an orgy like that, right? <laughs> First you mean all, all the granny panties that were like, oh, at the time they weren't granny panties? No, you have to, like, first of all, find a bunch of other people who are rich enough to be your friends. Right. And then you have to find people among those people who would be willing to do this thing. Yeah, and then be cool about it. <laughs> and then not talk about I it. I think they yeah. would just all high. Kevin. Hey, soda pop. Be cool, yeah. all right, when the girls come out. <laughs> You'll get yours, but first you got to wear this horse hat. <laughs> what the fuck? What is what is so horny about that? And then you have to like also keep your boner while my granddaughter randomly walks in the room. Right. I want to play peekaboo from across the room. God damn it! I'm like, how sexy is that? Not at all. God, the whole thing was so fucking creepy. Toby's upset because he's been to these all the time. But you know what? Somebody yeah. at least is dead now, so at least things are going to pick up. I mean, oh, that's yeah. the way I'm looking at it. Oh, somebody's somebody's been killed. Things are picking up. Kevin, I could do a whole podcast where we watch movies with rich people orgy scenes just have you break them down. Yeah. It was like even True Detective season two, Escape from Hooker Mountain. They had that whole thing, right? It was like, let's bring in all the hookers. Oh, that was my favorite. <laughs> How many times have we seen that? All these rich guys go to this place where they're just going to bring in chicks. I'm like, because when you're really rich, what you want to do is this bang. This must happen in Hollywood. Yeah, what you really want to do is like bang people in front of other people. It's happened too many times for it not to be real. <laughs> but like literally... Like I remember when I was working in in D.C., there was a a thing that broke about some rich Texas guy had what he called honey hunts, and what he would do is he'd get a whole bunch of prostitutes, and they'd run around his ranch naked, and then his buddies would like go cruise after them in golf carts, and then you know you'd tag your honey. Huh. I guess rich guys do so, like to get so it on in front of other guys. Basically, rich guys were sleeping with the slowest hookers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, or the ones who get the tiredest. Yeah. Wow. Oh God. Wow. We've really gotten off track. Yeah. This is um, a lot to think about. Were it's... they wearing Mardi Gras masks? <laughs> Everybody I, dressed I, in I, black. I don't recall. And we're gonna get our knobs polished after you take off this mannequin, <laughs> this this Harlequin mask. <laughs> we were at a party this weekend that was like an early Uh-oh. Mardi Gras party. And our friend, uh, who is this very earnest guy, his hobby is like 
DJing. It's really fun. So it's like a bunch of like menopause aged women standing in a circle dancing at this party. But then our then Kevin and Kevin, by the way, because Kevin will always dance with and Kevin. Rebecca's got a broken leg. I got to fill in for her. In but the Kevin, dancing. you will always if like a group of women are dancing, you will always go dancing with women because you always want to be like the best husband. That's your that's your like motivation. Guess, right? yeah. Like you're like, is there any Kevin. husband here better than me? I'm dancing. Hashtag relationship goals. I get it. But then uh, our, our friend, friend with the mask. Our, our friend came in and put on one of these Mardi Gras masks. He had like the giant bird beak and he was just like <laughs> dancing and every time I looked over at him I'm like that is fucking creepy like it's I feel so like phallic. I'm an eyes wide shut right now yeah except with a bunch of true detective season one it's like the horns <laughs> it's like the antlers I don't know what a plague mask is, Toby, but yes, it probably was. It's like this with a big beak where they used to put like basically potpourri because they thought it would filter out <laughs> oh. the germs from the plague. Yeah, probably. Like yeah, probably. All right. Yeah. Well, Toby, I know that you also uh, sent me some notes about some logistical details of the writing of the show that you just said seemed like the product of maybe lazy writing or editing. What were you talking about there? Well, there's just a couple of scenes where it's just like, really? Like, how did that work? Specifically, there's one where that creepy guy who follows Fauna around is like taping a phone conversation between her and Nero. And he's actually where Nero is on the street by a payphone. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like, how, why would he set up there? How would he know Nero <laughs> is going to call her? Why would he be From taping that it? Just yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it would have made sense if he was at her house and had tapped her phone. And then there's there's like this scene, the scene where where Chris Pine follows Fauna and her grandmother to this like art gallery place, and she goes in, and then Chris Pine like thinks of something else he has to do, so he cruises off. He goes to this place. He like talks to this prostitute for a little bit, and then he's about to leave. And then another prostitute's like, "Oh, you know, I've got some cocaine or heroin or whatever it is." So then he like goes on a drug binge with her and passes out wakes up and then puts his clothes back on, jumps in his car, drives back to the art gallery and they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> but he's but he's also asking questions when he was like passed out. Like they're laying there and he's like, hey yeah. it was like true detective Toby. <laughs> it was just like they, they must have been there for like three or four hours. Mm. And uh and it's not that big a place. You know, you're supposedly tracking what Fauna's doing during the same time, and it takes seems to take about 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff where, like, I've definitely done that in, like, like drafts of books where, <laughs> you know, you, there's, you like, wait, a character doing something. You've played in a room with a hooker and passed out? What? Oh, well, that's that's wait, basically all what? my books. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but, you know, you do have two people doing two separate things. And then you go back for your second draft. And you're like, whoa, this guy did all this stuff while this other guy was just like having a cup of coffee. And then you just change it. So it, it's not that off. That's you the problem know? with the Empire and Strikes Back. No, you know you know what that Luke is? Luke spends all this time training with Yoda. Meantime, Han Solo spent, what, apparently a month in this ca cave? Yeah, you know, you, know, you know what that is? That's soap <laughs> opera writing. Yeah. Because yeah. in, in soap operas, they'll spend eight days on one day mm -hmm. in which four people are having four separate scenes and conversations and then it'll be the next scene and a million things will have happened. You'll see a ton of action in one scene and then in another scene it'll be two people sitting in a cafe. The whole episode will just be you and me having this conversation but the other scenes will be other people on a boat murdering people, throwing them off the boat, Victor Newman blowing up a house. Like it's soap opera writing is what it is. Right. But soap operas at least they've got the they're kind of like you do it on the go, right? Right. I mean they're just constantly writing. These guys I mean they're putting a lot of money into this thing. They have a budget. <laughs> you know, it's like 
<laughs> Nobody's like, it seems a little bit weird. I mean, if it stuck out to me, like, I don't know how it would have gotten through everybody. Well, the thing, too, anyway. the thing with soap operas is that soap operas have a compact with their audience that, like, this shit happens and you will just accept it. Mm-hmm. Just like you will right. accept that when someone dies, they may come back. Because that's just <laughs> how it is, guys. <laughs> just like you will accept that one day a little kid is six and the next day they're 20. You will just accept that. <laughs> That is how it is. <laughs> like you'll accept that everybody believes this girl is black. Exactly. <laughs> like if she's one thing, she is super polite. She is. She's polite to a fault. And Southern. And Southern? She's like Beaver Cleaver. Yeah. Yes. No, she is. She's so earnest. I have she's to so say, it, and, and what Toby said earlier, I do think the race stuff is the most interesting stuff in the show. For, exa- for instance, when the cops stop her and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Hey, are you okay? Has this colored boy been bothering you? No, sir. I'm colored, sir. You're colored? Yes, sir. She's treated one way when they believe she's white, and then another way when but they believe she's But she also feels like yeah. she has to admit it as if admitting that is like, I'm, I'm, I'm part uh, of this yeah. lower class that you can abuse. It's okay, abuse me. It's a very interesting scene there, yeah. and I think those are the strongest right. moments. Yeah. Where transactionally, it'd be just easier to just... Assume I'm white and assume we'll, I'm white. Uh, move beat him on. up yeah. so I can go home. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but you know she's a good person, so she didn't do that. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, I'm not sure we covered many of the pl- actual plot points of <laughs> I Am the Night, but you know there's enough here that I think I'm comfortable saying let's do what we do. Tell our audience, shall you, Laura Bricker? Should they check out I Am the Night, the series on TNT starring? One of my favorite actors, Chris Pine. Pine. <laughs> in a somewhat true story about an interesting period in Hollywood history. What do you think, Laura Bricker? Thumbs up or thumbs down uh, for you? Um, you know, I hate doing thumbs down, but I just, I really didn't like this. I mean, it wasn't that, it just wasn't for me. I, I found it kind of slow. I wasn't super into it. I know there's a companion podcast. I'm probably going to check that out. It just, it just didn't um, hold my attention. What about you, Toby Ball? Thumbs up or thumbs down? For I Am the Night. I actually really liked it. It hits a lot of the things that, that I enjoy. Yeah, I definitely I definitely give it a, a thumbs up. You have to kind of take it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and I come, I'm kind of there with you. And God, I don't even know what I want to say about this. I am like, mm. I don't know. Kevin, did I, did I I'm with to, you on this. I am. Did I, I was hoping like that. It? Did I like it? <laughs> you were with me when I watched it. Did I like it? I don't think so. I don't think you did. I really like the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Yeah. I really love the costuming and the art direction and the noirness and the scenery. I really wanted Toby and Laura to be stronger. Me too. In their field they because tell I us. wanted to be influenced because I don't know. I'm right on the fence. I'll tell you why I think this one didn't really stick for me is that I had just binged um, a show that I loved, The Discovery of Witches, which is now available on Sundance based on the books, which I loved. And it was like so awesome. And then I watched this and I was like, eh. Okay, there's some weirdness. They killed someone, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to say, oh God, I'm right on the fence. I'm going to say, if you want to watch something that's different than anything else you're going to watch right now, and if you like Chris Pine, and you like good period stuff, and you want to just maybe smoke some pot and watch something weird, (laughs) which is not how I watched it, but maybe it would have been better. Yeah, sure, I'll give a thumbs up to I Am The Night. What about you, Kevin? I'm gonna go thumbs up, but barely, <laughs> because it does have like it does have a lot of really good elements. You know, who doesn't like a good Los Angeles noir type feel? I think it does that well. It's you know, it's a period piece. It does like it is based on a true story, and again, the fact that they they remind you of like the real people. That's the best part. 
It it actually is, you know, it's a small thing, but it's a big Cause thing. Because you're like, what the yeah. fuck did I just watch? And you see the pictures, and you're like, oh my god, that's a real thing. Like yeah. a guy's house. It's yeah. a real house. Right. If you it's a wrote, famous house. If you made up a book and you called the black patriarch Big Mama, <laughs> be so people would be like, oh, yeah. that is horrible. But you're like, no, that was really her name, and here she was, and she was a lovely woman, and that's just that's just what it was at the time. You're like, oh, okay. So some of the craziness, like I just. I, f- I just would not ever buy that grandmother Did with you her, like, kooky, her kooky affect. I just if, have a question. But she probably was exactly like that. So one of the worst parts, I actually really enjoyed, like, I loved the sneaking around the house scene. To me, that was very evocative. That was like Nancy Drew Which Noir. house? The Which one where Fauna was sneaking around away from the, the scare guy. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I liked that. I thought that was like fun. Yeah. So when yeah. Toby says it's fun, to me, like that's why I'm thumbs up. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, it was interesting that Laura was saying that she was watch she watched something that she really liked and then she watched this. Cause I had a hard time separating this from True Detective. And I just think this is so much better, <laughs> quite honestly. Wow. Um, oh wow. Which See, I oh. I realize that some people may not, but I, I just think it's all the things that, that True Detective is freaking awful about. This one is better about. Mm. But did you watch this week, Toby? It got really good. <laughs> I've actually, you know, I've Only been, I've been kind of left. hate watching it just because I kind of feel like I owe it to Stephen Dorff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, Goodness it's just, week, it Toby. continues to be the same. <laughs> it continues to be the same bullshit. I mean, they even had the same scene. What's, they even got have the exact same scene with the. It's either Vietnamese or Korean, depending on which guy it is. But like, oh yeah, they, they show up in their room yeah. in, in like kind of a creepy way. Yeah, in True Detective, it just seems like kind of pretentious and ridiculous. Here's my impression of the two detectives as old men. What's your impression, Kevin? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's that's pretty much how it went, Kevin. Toby's saying, I am the knight leans into what it is, and True yeah. Detective tries to be something more than what it is. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing him say. Yeah. No, I like lots of parts of it. I know the part that you really like. What's that? All that mid-century modern furniture. Hell yeah, I do. You know where you can get stuff like that? Where? Joybird! Joy, I'm still so, I can, it's so surreal to me that they sponsor this stupid podcast. Joybird offers one-of-a-kind furniture made to your unique taste. Whatever taste that is, you turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options. It doesn't have to be I Am The Night. It doesn't have to be a uh, true detective. Mm. It doesn't have to be a series of unfortunate events. It could be whatever you want because they have great stuff. They do have from mid-century modern to contemporary classics, all of which are customizable in an amazing array of fabric choices. I have something to say about that. Yeah, the fabric choices? They will send you, because they sent me, a free box mm-hmm. of all of their fabrics. So if you're like like me, mm-hmm. a regular stalker of Joybird, because they pop up on your feed or you just like want to go maybe check out a more comfortable uh, desk chair than the one that you're actually sitting on to edit all your podcasts, even though you recently bought your desk chair, so you're feeling weird about it, and you're just <laughs> kind of looking at it, and you think like, I don't know what color I'd get. I really want it to be perfect this time. I don't want to mess this up again and get the wrong chair. They will send you all the swatches of all of their fabrics for free. It is a great service that like I've never seen before from a furniture company. I've got the Joybird samples upstairs. I'm going to show you them after the podcast, and you're going to help me pick out the fabric for my new desk chair. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to do that on your own with the help of Joybird's free personal design consultants? 
Uh, this one on my own, but I will be consulting them when we redo our bedroom someday. Yeah, that's cool. Joybird has a 365-day home trial, so you can skip the furniture store and bring the showroom right home. Sit on it, sleep on it, break it in, and if you don't love it, you can return to Joybird for a full refund. See how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture shopping. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at Joybird. Dot com slash crime. Crime. Go to joybird.com slash crime Crime. and receive an exclusive offer of 25% off of your first order by using the code crime. Crime. Maybe I should get more than the chair when we get 25% off. Hey, on your first purchase, go in. Go big. Nice. You guys heard that, right? It's on tape. What else you got, Kevin? Well, if there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals... BetterHelp Online Counseling can help you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, trauma, anger, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, much more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment so you can get help on your own time at your own pace. And if uh, any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge so best of all this is a truly affordable option therapy's great a lot of us use it you know whether you need it long term or you're just having a situation that you need someone to help you with help you go through it better help is there crime writers on can get 10 percent off of their first month with the discount code crime crime so why not get started today go to betterhelp.com slash crime crime then fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with the right counselor someone that you'll love so you go to betterhelp.com slash crime crime i do love how we seem to relitigate true detective on every episode of the show these days <laughs> but now it's time for my favorite part of this podcast a little something i like to call the crime, crime of, of the week the week a cop in Plastow, New Hampshire, made a car stop after noticing something <laughs> suspicious. It's a local story. I love it. Instead of the red window decal showing the car was up to date on its New Hampshire safety inspection, the driver had placed a pack of Camel 99s on the dash. The box was colored red around the edges and Sharpie numbers were drawn to show the sedan was good to go until September 2019. The driver gets an A for creative thinking, a C for his artwork, and a ticket for driving with an inspired inspection decal. Police tipped their caps but said it's better for drivers to get actual stickers, and it only costs like 29 bucks. All right. Now, panel, have you ever done anything out of the box to make your car pass muster in any situation? Laura Bricker, What do you think? Have you ever done anything like that? I have not, but somebody I know has. (laughs) (laughs) Ken, what did you do to get your car inspected? Well, back in the early 80s in Massachusetts, what they used to do was was they used to have you pull in, honk your horn, turn on your windshield wipers, and then turn on your lights and go through the sequence of lights. I had an outstandingly beautiful Toyota FJ Cruiser. And um, it was the biggest piece of junk I ever owned, but I loved that car. Um, So anyways, when it came to the turn signals on the right-hand side, I had two wires, and I just clicked them together because the switch itself was completely fried, and I had no way to fix it. So I just blinked the lights when he said, turn on the right-hand blinker. So I just clicked the two wires together, 
and uh, tell it past. <laughs> so there you go. Wow, your husband's a criminal. <laughs> I know. He's I know, and he got away with it because it was What's Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> wow, a fire chief holding live wires in his hands to pass a car inspection. Very impressive. <laughs> yep. Yep. Toby Ball, what about you? Have you ever done anything nefarious so that your car would pass muster? Uh, it wasn't really nefarious, but I did. I had some old car. And it had like a rust hole in it. I guess part of inspection is you could have rust, but you couldn't actually have it have eaten an actual hole in your car. Yep. So I went and I got this Bondo. So basically it just, it turns into, I don't even know what it turns into. It's like kind of like a goopy putty. You're supposed to just put it over like a slightly rusted spot and it's supposed to protect your car. But I was actually trying to kind of bridge this gap. That was a hole. And so it took a lot of Bondo. It basically, it kind of did it. And I didn't realize this is like when we first moved to New Hampshire, but like a cop actually came to my house and was like, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you didn't pass inspection. You know, have you done anything about this? I'm like, what, what's going on here? So then I showed him what I'd done. <laughs> so then he looks at me, he's like, well, you, you gave it a good shot. You know, I'll give you credit for it. <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> nice try, Bugsy. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh my God. So I've never done anything to my car to help it pass muster, but we did buy uh, my teenage son a car a couple years ago and brought it home from the lot and it had just kind of come into the dealership as a trade-in and it looked pretty good and like I've bought a bunch of cars from the same dealership so I felt really good about it and they were like, yeah, it's great. It was like a Subaru Impreza. It had come up from Florida it was like in decent shape. The Carfax was good, all that stuff. And I noticed like the rear bumper just like it looked like it just hadn't been like washed super well when they delivered it to me. And then over the next like few weeks, like pieces of the rear bumper just started like flaking off, like chunks just started like flaking off. And then there was this like stripper sticker, this like naked woman like underneath one of the pieces that came out. Turns out these people had put like sugar coating, like maple syrup and paint mixed what? together on the car. Yes. I don't remember that. And because so every time it would rain, because they, they like basically <laughs> filled in this like dent on the apart. back, held it together with like tape and then to make it look shiny so they could pretend it wasn't broken they like use like maple syrup and paint mixed together and every time it would rain like part of the car would just like fall off that's weird i don't know about you kevin what did, have you ever done to make your car pass muster uh yeah not uh, past inspection but i do remember uh trading one in it was trading in. it was like the lease was up and they want like both key fobs <laughs> and only had one yeah so uh you know the whole transaction's being done and they're like where's the other key fob I'm like oh i left it in the car and i didn't because i didn't have it <laughs> They just disappeared. They're like, all right. Good. All right. We'll catch you next. Oh, they were so happy. The money they're going to make on the return car is like so much more than the stupid fob. That's true. Yeah. Now, Kevin, what's the statute of limitations on that, you think? And what's uh, dealership's name? Years. And should we say it now? I'm just saying if you know somebody named McGuirk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Laura Brigger, before we wrap up the show tonight, do we have a cat of the week this week? <laughs> Uh, hold on just a minute. Yes, we do. This was <laughs> well researched. I've just decided. <laughs> I've, well, I've spent all week pouring through nominations. And I don't know this person's real name, but their Twitter handle is Show Me Equality. And they sent me this awesome video of Fred the Cat 
Uh, Fred only has one eye. Oh. And that eye only has 25% vision. Oh. And uh, apparently Fred's that. also apparently Fred's also a girl because uh, it says she can also. Oh, no, I guess Fred flips back and forth. She can smell my 17 year old son a mile away and jumps on him as soon as he's, he's close enough. I swear he sleeps on a pillow of catnip. OK, so I guess Fred is. A girl. I bet I could so, smell her 17 year old son a mile away. too. <laughs> like well, what I love is this very sweet video of Fred the cat just like so happy, just like giving this this boy all sorts of like hugs and kisses. And it reminds me of our cat, Rocky Flintstone, Aww. who loves Fireman Ken so much that he licks his mustache at three in the morning. So Aww. Fred the cat wins this week. Do you have video of Rocky the cat licking Fireman Ken's mustache? I feel like there probably some kink in that. I think there's a market for that, like on some dark subreddit. <laughs> What's the Patreon I level for I that? I, I don't have video of it because I'm pretty cranky at three in the morning. But I do have a lot of pictures of Rocky just like sleeping on top of Ken because he loves him so much. All right. Well, Laura Bricker, if people want to reach out to you and offer us a lot of money on our Patreon <laughs> in order to see video <laughs> that they will only use for very clean and not kinky purposes of Rocky Flintstone licking Fireman Ken's mustache. How can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball, if TV critics want to reach out to you and give you feedback on your assessment of I Am The Night being a superior show to True Detective, (laughs) how can they find you on Twitter? At Mike underscore Baudette. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, at Toby Ball on age. Okay, yes, yes. And Kevin, if people want to reach out to you... And I don't know, give you some support for not being able to decide whether or not you were thumbs up or thumbs down and I am the night. How can they find you? You can bitch at me at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to reach out to me and tell me where all the rich guys are having their orgy this weekend, you can find me <laughs> on Twitter or Instagram at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join the amazing, flourishing, interactive community on our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group, or you can just follow our regular old boring Facebook page. Go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, and support this show, this very show. You will be supporting it when you go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. When you support us there, you'll get access to the Balls Deep Dive Book Club podcast and Lara Bricker's Rage Walking True Crime Fitness Fun Group and Kevin and my spinoff show, Married, Married with, with podcast. podcast. Our theme song was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. This show was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where we hang all our surrealist artwork of dismembered bodies and where Kevin is currently cutting off my clothes with scissors. Just kidding. Oh. On behalf of all the crime yeah. writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch, catch you, you later. Later. I'm trying to find a cat of the week. Oh, that cat died. I don't want that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, oh, I feel bad. I'm not laughing at the cat. No, but it's like everyone sends me these like cats that die. I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. people. Those so people that, are so thirsty. So you don't like thoroughly research cats, animals of the week before we tape the show? You do it while we're taping the show? No, I usually do. So <laughs> unprofessional. <laughs> this week has just blown. So just I'll use it. that time to take a random shot at Mike Bodette. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of shitbirds. Partners in crime media.
Hey, Kevin. Yes. Did you know that Joybird makes one-of-a-kind furniture made to your unique taste? I did. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options from mid-century modern to contemporary classics, all of which are customizable in an amazing array of fabric choices, including kid and pet-friendly upholstery options. See how Joybird Joybird. is revolutionizing online furniture shopping. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com. Slash crime. Crime. Go to joybird.com slash crime and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code crime. Crime. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.